The Granzadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Well, thank you for joining us for our very first podcast of the 2006-2007 academic year. I'm your host, Rick Gibson, and I'm joined today by Dr. Linda Livingstone, who's the dean of Pepperdine's Grazadio School of Business and Management. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Well, thank you, Rick. It's my pleasure to be here. Let's dive right in. Uh, Tell me about the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. Well, Rick, we started the Dean's Executive Leadership Series about three years ago, and the intent was to bring in thought leaders in business, authors, and high-level successful businessmen and women to expose our students, our alumni, and the business community to some of the best and brightest that are out there, and it's just been a tremendous success for us. It sounds like it. Uh, Tell me, um, who are some of the people that you've been able to bring to campus? Last year, we had a really great lineup, and we included Ted Waite, the founder of Gateway Computer, and then uh, Ann Sweeney, who is the president of ABC Disney Television, uh, along with several others. And so it was just a really tremendous year, a lot of diversity in the people that came and spoke. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but I sat in on a session with Dennis Bakke. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that last year or was that... Uh... That was He was actually the last speaker of our first year of oh, the right, series, right, right. and he had just published uh, Joy at Work, and so he's a former CEO as well, and so brought a really wonderful and unique perspective to thinking about what we do at work, and, and so that was a great way to kick off the series with, with him that first year. In this year's featured speaker lineup, you have some pretty heavy hitters as well. Uh, for our first podcast, you spent some time with Patricia Sellers, editor-at-large at Fortune magazine. I understand that you know Patty. Yes, I've gotten to know Patty over the last two or three years through the Fortune Most Powerful Women's Summit, and then she's very involved in the uh, edition of Fortune that features the most powerful women. And so through that, we invited her to come to campus, and she agreed to do a one-on-one interview the afternoon prior to the Executive Leadership Series, so we had a really interesting conversation. Well, very good. Let's listen then to part one of Dean Livingstone's one-on-one conversation with Patricia Sellers. Well, I'm Linda Livingstone, Dean of the Grazia Dio School, and I'd like to welcome you uh, to this interview today. We're so thrilled to have Patty Sellers, editor-at-large of Fortune Magazine, and who has been very involved in writing uh, much of the uh, Fortune Most Powerful Women uh, magazine that comes out yearly. It came out for the ninth time recently, and so we're pleased to have Patty with us and appreciate you joining us uh, for this interview. Thanks, Linda. Of course, uh, this week we had the Fortune Most Powerful Women edition come out, and uh, one of the interesting things about it, I think you tabbed it the year of the Most Powerful Woman CEO because the top seven uh, individuals on the list were all CEOs. So what do you think that tells us about uh, kind of the pipeline for women moving up into high levels in the organization and how you've seen that change over the years that you've been doing uh, this particular uh, issue? Well, it's still only about 5% of the Fortune 500 companies that have female CEOs. But what what the big difference is this year is that really big companies have gotten mm-hmm. female CEOs. All in the past few months, all surprises, Indra Nui at PepsiCo, who became CEO on October 1st, our new number one, Irene Rosenfeld at Kraft Foods, previous CEO was ousted. She had been at Kraft her entire career, left and came back. And Pat Wirtz at ADM, the highest ranking woman in the oil industry, and 
she went to to Archer Daniels Midland, which is trying to, which is becoming the ethanol company, the alternative energy company. So they were all kind of surprise choices. And I mean, I think what we're seeing is kind of the legitimacy of the female CEO and full acceptance among these very big company boards, which is a great thing. Yeah, it's great. We hope we continue to see that kind of progress. So you say it was surprising. What do you think it was about these women that led boards to be willing to put them into that position because we hadn't seen that so much in the years past. These three women have have three things have one thing in common. They're all great strategists. Mm -hmm. And they're I mean Indra Nui of PepsiCo is uh, strategy. She's been doing strategy ever since she got out of business school. She's extremely um, precocious and ambitious and she graduated from college in India at 18 she graduated from business school in India at 20 she came over to the, over to this country to go to Yale and she she was in strategy her entire career Pat Wurtz's claim to fame within the oil industry was that she was a great strategist mm -hmm. at Chevron and Irene Rosenfeld is just you know, she's a uh, she's sort of a math whiz and a real numbers person and a strategy kind of person and you know a very thoughtful marketer. So you know, companies today need um, you know the world is so complicated. Mm -hmm. They need CEOs who understand strategy and they need they need visionaries. Well, one of the things uh, when you were talking about Indra Nui, you talked she she talked a lot about reinvention mm -hmm. and how you have to continually reinvent yourself, reinvent your company. Uh, talk a little bit about that in the discussions you had with her and, and expand a little bit more on what that means and what kind of traits it takes in a person to really be able to do that continuously for your company and in your own career. Well, PepsiCo has always had a belief that we have to change all the time, even when things are good. And I think much of that comes from being the number two company. They never sit on their, rest on their laurels. They never get comfortable. Unlike Coca-Cola, which wanted to, you know, who's great mishap whose great fault turned out to be holding on to a business model too long PepsiCo took the opposite approach Indra has said has said to me that the minute a business a business model is out there it becomes extinct because everybody knows about it mm -hmm. so you've got to constantly reinvent and you know it's one of the reasons that I mean Listen, Coca-Cola has, has sort of changed its stripes and believes in reinvention. But one of the reasons that I was about to say that Indra would not have gotten the job at Coca-Cola. Maybe I'm wrong, actually. <laughs> but Indra is the perfect CEO for PepsiCo because this is sort of this philosophy mm -hmm. is in the company's lifeblood. And her competitor, who was expected to get the job, a guy named Mike White, of all things. Talk about a sort of generic American male uh -huh. name. He was, you know, he was not not a visionary, but primarily known as a terrific operations guy, mm -hmm. and that just didn't cut it with mm -hmm. the board. You know that uh, world that you're describing, where you're having to constantly reinvent yourself, that is relentless, and it's probably becoming more and more relentless as the world changes so rapidly. How does a CEO, man or woman? survive in that for any extended period of time as a CEO? How do you sort of maintain that level of focus and energy for the long run and keep some kind of reasonable balance in a life that is already very complicated? 
Well, okay. <laughs> two questions there. Yeah. You added the balance yes. at the end, which complicates it. I'm going to hold off on that for now. I mean, you have to. You're not going to survive. I mean, too many CEOs have fallen because they haven't changed fast, that you've been willing to change fast enough. So you have to. You have to take bigger risks today. You have to understand risk today. And you have to have, you know, terrific executors under you as the CEO because most CEOs don't fail on strategy, they fail on execution. And then you bring in the balance question, Linda. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you really ever find balance, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts you are. You know, I mean, Indra Nui says, her take on balance is, I work hard and I work harder. She says balance for me is for the birds. Mm -hmm. Now. The for me is a very important qualifier because, you know, I think any CEO is a fool today if he or she ignores that mm -hmm. because, you know, the students coming out of business schools and colleges are have no tolerance for, you know, sort of a lack of at least sensitivity to mm -hmm. that balance issue. Yeah. Yeah, the more you read about these sort of generation Y or the next generation, they really want more balance and they want to be able to enjoy their life while also working hard and doing things. It'll be interesting to see how over time corporations sort of adjust to that, especially people that were raised in a very different generation with a different philosophy. Not only do they want it, they feel entitled mm -hmm. to have it. At our women's summit, were you in the room when Judy Woodruff was talking about yes. going across mm -hmm. the country? Judy Woodruff is doing a big part of the, you know, well-known CNN and PBS mm -hmm. journalist is doing a big project for PBS. It's going to be a, a documentary on PBS in the in early next year. She traveled the country this summer on a bus interviewing kids 16 to 25 mm -hmm. and she talked to us at the summit about some of her findings and she was shocked to find how entitled these young people have feel to have balance in their lives to get promotions within six months of arriving at a company to get raises quickly it's but tough managing today. It is. And you have three or four genera different generations of people in the workforce, too, that all have sort of different values and different philosophies about yes, work. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we, we sort of talked about, you know, how do you sustain success over a long period of time? Well, in this year's issue, you had, I believe, six women who have been on your most powerful women list since its inception in 1998. Uh, people like Kathleen Black and Judy McGrath and Ann Moore, Oprah and others. What is it about those women? Is there anything unique to them, uh, maybe different than what we've already talked about, that has allowed them to sustain sort of that level of success and power over a fairly extended period of time? Isn't that interesting that those women you named are all in the media? That's really interesting, and I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of media women on the list. There are a lot of consumer mm -hmm. products, packaged goods women on the list. You know, flexibility. Ann Mulcahy talks in this issue, in this new issue. She has a first-person piece in there. She talks about how you, the most important thing you need today is flexibility because the world is changing mm -hmm. so fast, adaptability. And all of these women, um, Judy I interviewed extensively for this issue, and she's like, she was at our summit, and she said, people say she's like, a 16-year-old boy in a, uh, what is she, 50-whatever-year-old right. woman's body. I mean, she has been amazing in mm -hmm. adapting to the times and the trends. Oprah, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've spent time, lots of time talking to Oprah, and, you know, she's just 
constantly questioning herself. Mm -hmm. Anne Moore, our CEO at Time Inc., Kathy Black, the head of Hearst Magazines, you know, these are women in, you know, think about it. They're very fast-paced industries where uh, innovation is the thing and you're constantly mm -hmm. creating and um, these women just, they're, they're on the list for this many years because they're, they're creative and they're adaptable. Mm -hmm. There were two women on the list this year from the Los Angeles area, both of which happen to be in entertainment. Anne Sweeney, who is number 13, and Stacy Snyder of DreamWorks, who's number 50. For as large of a city as LA is, and as vibrant of a business community, that seems uh, not to be a lot of most powerful women on the list, and not at the top ranks of that. What's your thinking about, you know, is it more difficult in LA to be a most powerful woman versus other parts of the country, or is that a pretty typical distribution in a large city? Well, I mean, three out of 50, that That's isn't not bad. Too bad. I mean, I'm sure it, there are a lot, lot more in New York, but um, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, Sherry Lansing used to be on mm -hmm. the list. She's not at Paramount anymore. We have Stacy Snyder as number as number fifty on the list. Mm -hmm. I mean, she left. You know, she left Universal Pictures. She's now at DreamWorks. She's unproven. She has a great reputation. They supposedly have a, a you know, a, there's a lot of good buzz about their slate. And uh, if Brad Gray loses his job at Paramount, she's been talked about as as replacing mm -hmm. him. So she deserves to be on the list, but. I'll tell you, the, what's amazing is that just maybe three years ago, generally, in order to get on the list, you needed, now they're, the movie women, the media women are exceptions because mm -hmm. they have this quality of social and cultural influence that gives th them an, an extra boost mm -hmm. in our sort of judgment of them. Right. But you needed, in general, about three billion in revenues to mm -hmm. get on the list. Now. The cutoff, just for number 50, is around $6 billion in revenues, which is amazing. Yeah. It's harder and harder every year to get on the most powerful women list, which is really encouraging to me. It is, but it does also have implications for a city like L.A., where there are not a lot of large Fortune yes. 100 or Fortune 500 headquarters. You're absolutely it's right. much more about entrepreneurship and... Uh, certainly lots of women entrepreneurs in yes. L.A., but uh, by the nature of... of the way that is going, it could actually influence communities where there are not large uh, businesses You're headquartered. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. could yeah. be part of it. Interesting. Well, that concludes part one of the Sellers interview. Join us next time for part two. Uh, Dean Lehmanstone, thanks for joining us today. It was a fantastic interview. Uh, any final thoughts? Well, I just think people will really enjoy the second half of the interview as Patty continues to share some of the wonderful insights she's gained through the years talking to these fascinating CEOs and business leaders. Probably a little different position for her to actually be on the opposite side of an interview. It is, and she even commented on that in the discussion that we had about being the news sometimes now instead of just being the news writer. So. Well, very good. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Please visit the Grazadio School website for additional information at bschool.pepperdine.edu. You can also subscribe at iTunes uh, or the Pepperdine website. So until next time, thanks for joining us. For Pepperdine's fully employed MBA program, business executives and students are brought together in the classroom to solve real business issues. Joe Felbab, Vice President Sales and Marketing at Time Warner Cable. The Pepperdine MBA students did a great job developing marketing strategies and tactics to help Time Warner Cable continue to grow its subscriber base. 
They really understood our products as well as the issues we face in the marketplace. A high-priced consultant couldn't have done better. Pepperdine's unique real-world MBA program for working professionals gives students a structured opportunity to learn by doing and gives partner companies access to additional resources and fresh insight. Pepperdine University's prestigious Grazio Dio School of Business and Management, where the real world of business is mastered. To learn more, call 1-800-933-3333. That's 1-800-933-3333.